I want to tell you guys, uh, thank you so much for coming out today. I want to take a moment also to welcome all of our online people that are watching. Would you guys welcome them watching online? I just want to say, like I say every week, we miss you guys. We look forward to seeing you again. If you need anything, please uh, call us or email us at info at genesismetro.org. We don't want anyone to feel isolated and alone during this season. Uh, we started a new series called The Light, and Lord knows we all need some light. And this week, um, I want to take a, a slight detour. Um, we're going to journey toward the light, but we're going to do it in the narrative of the Old Testament, and we're going to be looking at Gideon and his arc toward delivering the Israelites. And so I can't get it all in in one message, and so we're going to take this in parts as we get toward the ultimate deliverance of light. They smash these clay pots and the light shines out and God does a miraculous thing. And so we're journeying towards the light, but this week we got to find them in the darkness. And I hope that this week we'll understand a little bit about sin. What does sin do? How, how do we uh, look at ourselves inside of sin and how do we deal with sin once we're in sin? And then how do we get out of sin? Because the chances are, if you live long enough, you're going to have a season of sin. Well, just by show of hands real quick, since we're in God's house, um, has anybody ever had a season of sin just by show of hands? Anybody? Okay, a bunch of sinners in here, I tell you. And so today, I just want you to know that no matter how dark the night gets in our sin, that you're always called towards the light. Always called towards the light. There's never a time in your life that God hasn't been reaching out to you, that he hasn't been calling you towards the light. And we go through different seasons where we might rebel, we might run, we might throw our hands up and say we're, we're finished with church because of something that happened, whatever the case may be. But yet God is like that father to the prodigal son who's always beckoning, right? He's always going out on the porch waiting for you to come home. And there's never a time where the father, as you start returning home, is going to be like, no, I don't, I don't want you. I, you waited too long to come back. Isn't that the great thing about God's grace is that there's always time. There's always time to come back home. And I hope today, as you listen to this story of Gideon and you listen to how the Israelites got off track, that you might ponder, are there any areas of your life that you need to step towards the light? Are there any things that you are saying where you feel less than or incomplete, insufficient, incapable when it comes to doing the work of God? Many times we have these hangups of our past that we believe disqualify us. They've hurt our confidence in us. But I guarantee you they haven't hurt God's confidence in you. And so I hope today this might be a word of encouragement. It says in Judges chapter 6, we're going to read several verses, that the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And seven years was given to them uh, in the hands of the Midianites. And so God handed them over to an enemy. Because the power of the Midian, uh, the Midian, because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, and that would be like a like a big crack in the rock. Caves and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, the Amalekites, and other eastern people invaded their country. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible. Feel how overwhelming this feels. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. 
Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. That's where we're going to end that verse. We're going to end this section on crying out to the Lord for help. I'll give you a spoiler. So if you want to advance ahead right now in your mind and go ahead and cry out to the Lord for help while I'm preaching this first section, then you can have a fast forward to section number two while I preach about section number one. So it's never too soon to cry out to the Lord for help. We're going to learn our first principle today. Sin is always going to cause pain. Sin is always going to cause pain. Sin is always going to cause what? Pain. Let's try it. Sin is going to always cause pain. No, you guys are doing so good. I am going to give you guys bonus points today. I rate every audience. At the end of the year, we go back and review it. And today, you guys are winning. And so pain is always, I'm sorry, sin is always going to cause pain. Whenever we think about pain and God, it says that the distance was created between them and God because of their disobedience. And I've never seen distance. Usually, it doesn't bring about harmony in relationships. It's like the further we get apart, the more distance grows. And I wanted to, to illustrate that just a little bit with a fun thing. Now, this is a, this is a, this is an enter at your own risk illustration. So there's a rubber band there on your seat beside you. And if you want to grab a partner, um, if you have someone close to you, and, and we're going to start off with your hands reasonably close together, and you're going to just grab one side of the rubber band, and they're going to grab the other side. And <clears throat> you both, on the count of three, are going to, to pull back as, as far as you can. We're going to find the limitations of the stretch this morning. And so, so if you dare, in this illustration, if you dare, if you dare. Rick, do you need a partner here? M me and you. Me and you. All right. All right. Okay. Are you ready? On the count of three, we're going to go, okay? And we're going to stretch until we find the limitation. And I'm going to tell you what. Sin is always going to cause what? All right. One, two, three, go. Oh, gosh. Woo! Oh! Now, <laughs> pain is still happening, folks. All right, the, il the illustration is passed, okay? So, what you're going to notice is, and unfortunately for Rick, that the snap is going to get one side of the equation. Raise your hand if you got it. Raise your hand if you got it, right? Okay, so whenever, think about it, a couple. If we're going to say that sin always causes pain, imagine a couple starts off close together. But then over time, one of them takes a step back. Whether it's a step back emotionally, whether it's a step back physically, whatever it is. And then... They say over time that the other person, instead of reacting by moving closer, they take a step back and they say, well, they took a step back. I'm going to take a step back. I don't have emotional validation. Therefore, I'm not going to give intimate connection. However you want to say it. But over time, if we both keep stepping back, eventually it's going to break. Sin is always going to cause 
pain. The Israelites were stepping back from God. And now it's causing pain. And I will tell you this, that if there's any area of your life in which you've stretched it to the point, it feels like it's going to break. Every time we take a step back, we're stepping towards darkness. And every time we take a step forward, when it comes to our relationship with God, we're stepping towards the light. So imagine if a couple both decided to step towards God, they both would be stepping towards the light. They both would be stepping toward a focal point. And as they step toward God, guess what? They're stepping towards each other. So you can have reconciliation by simply stepping towards the light. I hope today that as you're thinking about relationships that have been stretched in your life, relationships that are about to break in your life, you might ask yourself, are we digging in and are we failing to listen to what God has to say? Fear was driving them to dwell in dark places. Did you notice that? It's like whenever we're motivated by fear, and we'll get into more of that in the message, it, it caused them to dwell in caves, these clefts in the rock, these strongholds. And, and what you'll notice is they were dwelling in places that were remote and they were cut off from outside people. You could even say they were, they were living in isolation versus living in community. And that sin had separated them from their otherwise normal life. Sin had separated them from what God had called them to be. Matter of fact, sin had separated them from what God wanted them to inherit. And I, and I thought today, no one in here wants that. It says that God was allowing their increase to be devoured by their enemies. You ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like you were, you were working as hard as you could but then it kept getting devoured. Whenever I go through seasons like that, it causes me to take an, a personal inventory. You know, I think it was David that said, search me, O God, and know if there's anything in me, if there's any wickedness, if there's any sin, because you don't want to be the reason that this relationship is getting stretched. We already are in a fallen world, so bad things are going to happen. We already live in a, in a world full of sinners, so sometimes bad people are going to happen to us. But we don't want to be the cause of the season where sin causes pain. And so the darkness led them to cry out. I want to encourage you this morning. I told you this was going to be the end of the first section. It is always appropriate. And I, we get really messed up in this in our brains. We, we kind of even might say to ourselves like, well, I don't, I, I don't, I feel bad because I keep on asking for forgiveness for the same sin. Anybody, anybody ever said this? Anybody ever have these talks with God? Like how righteous of you, how noble of you that you would not ask the God of all forgiveness who can forgive sin, that you don't want to basically bore him because you feel bad because of your sin. No, that is, that is messed up. Every time you sin, you say, well, how many times can I ask forgiveness for the same, as many times. As many times, it, there's not, he doesn't have a counter. Like, oh, here we go again. Gossip, check. You know, lust, check. Oh, now you're out. Sorry, you're going to have to wait 20 years before I forgive you of your sin. I mean, that's, that, is, that is not the way it works. That is actually a tool of the enemy working in your mind to keep you separated from God, to keep you dwelling in these dark places. And that's not where God wants you to live. He wants you to step towards the light. 
So whenever it comes to our sin seasons, the only way to short circuit that sin season is to cry out to God. The, the consequences of our sin are designed to cause us to want to step towards the light. And if anyone in here has ever been in a season where sin separated you out from your relationship with God, from your relationship and community, and then you started getting thirsty, didn't you? Huh? Anybody? You started getting, you were like, oh. I need, I need some Jesus. I need to go to church. I need to, I'll Google it. Oh, Genesis Metro Church. And then you stumbled in here. And as soon as you walked in, and as soon as the worship was being played, and as soon as the message was being presented, let me ask you a question. When you cried out to God, did God answer your prayer? And the church said, that's right. And it feels so good, right? When you breathe it in, in worship, your lungs are being filled with their created purpose to breathe it back out. In worship of God. Here the Israelites were in a bad place. It says in verse 7, when the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet. God always sends a message when we cry out from our mess. It sent a prophet who said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery, I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians and I delivered you from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them out from before you and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not listened to me. Next point. It's very profound. Listen up. Listen up. Listen up. Listen up. If you are a coach, you better say amen to this. Listen, do you say this word all the time? All right, guys, listen up. All right, we're getting ready to call this. All right, listen up. Listen up. Hey, hey, listen up. Teachers, is anybody? Hey, listen up. Listen up. Parents, can I get an amen? Listen. Hey, listen up. Listen up. Listen up. You might even say it to your spouse. Are you listening to me? Are you, are you listening to me right now? Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, 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 oh. Listen. Uh, no, you're not. Listen up. Listen up. Listen up. God is constantly telling us to listen up. Listen up. And it's amazing that the burden of communication really falls on both people, right? There's the person giving information. There's a the person receiving information. God is constantly giving information. Now, let's ask ourselves a couple of silly questions. Do you think that God is ever giving incorrect information? Do you think that God is ever giving incomplete information? If God is always giving you information, all the information that you could possibly need for the moment that he's called you to, then the burden shifts to the hearer, to the listener. And the only way that there could be a divide, the only way there could be a problem, is not ever going to be on God's communication, it's going to be on our reception of the word. That's why we say we measure success at Genesis Metro Church by life change in response to God's word. When you respond to God's word, when you receive it, when you accept it, when you submit to it, your life must change. You cannot receive God's word and not be changed by God. More light cannot come into your darkness and it not give you hope, give you purpose, give you meaning, give you the very thing that you need in this hour. 
And so here are the Israelites, and God is saying, listen up. God is saying, I prepared it right, but you were determined to do wrong. Have you ever felt like that? Have you, have you, has anyone in there ever felt like that? Like, like if you work on a team, have you ever felt like you like prepared the perfect spreadsheet? Has anybody ever had to, like you created the perfect org chart? Has anybody, does anybody know what I'm like? Like you prepared the perfect family budget? Is it, is it like with your children, like you created the, the perfect regimen for the morning time, get up and get dressed? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And then they are determined to do it wrong. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what your plan was because they have a different plan. Man, it's hard, isn't it? It's hard when someone messes up your perfect plan. And I can tell you, as a fellow sinner, I'll raise my hand with you. I'm in the club. God has perfect plans for me, and I don't always do them. I, I don't always listen. Sometimes I'm stubborn. Sometimes I'm just busy, and I'm, I just ignore it. But I can tell you this, that, that it's never God's fault in the preparation. He created the perfect situation for them when they inherited this land. Gave them everything. But they wouldn't listen. Franklin Roosevelt was famously quoted. He would have these long lines for receiving foreign dignitaries, White House dinners and such. And he complained to his staff. He said, no one ever listens to me. And so one night, in order to prove his point, he was a little ornery. And I got to say, I have a little bit of this in me. But he said that as he was receiving all these foreign dignitaries, these ambassadors, diplomats, he would, he would shake their hand. And, and as he would shake their hand, they would file by. He would say, I murdered my grandmother today. <laughs> to which people would say, marvelous, good job. Keep up the good work. Everyone would just give him a nonsensical answer that makes no sense with, I murdered my grandmother today. And then the last dignitary that night was the ambassador from Bolivia. And as he was walking through the line, Franklin Roosevelt said, I murdered my grandmother today. And without hesitation, the ambassador from Bolivia leaned in and said, well, she probably had it coming. Franklin Roosevelt was, was trying to make the point that listening is critical. I guarantee you, if you've been married for any length of time, dated for any length of time, there was a situation that arose in which both of you thought you heard one thing and then what was actually said or interpreted was another thing. And the church said, yes, yes. Yes, listening is critical. I have left my children at places like the basketball gym because we had a miscommunication and I just drove off and left poor Titus when he was about in seventh grade. I got home all the way with Jordan and I walked in and I thought, Carrie, I think she was cooking or something. She had come home from something and, and walked in and I, was, and I was at the game, okay? I was at the game. I watched you play. I was like, yeah. And then we got home and she's like, where's Titus? I was like, I'll be right back. <laughs> I thought he was riding with her. I thought he was riding with someone. I wasn't paying attention. 
Yeah, I left my child. Have you ever left your child by show of hands? Anybody left your child? Yeah, yeah, it happens. It happens. Listen to what God was saying. Not only listen to what he says, but, but listen to what he does. Because you've been told this before in your life, right? Don't believe what people say. Believe what people... Oh, man, you guys, you already know all the answers. Don't believe what people say, but believe what they do. In, in God's case, you can believe both. He's saying, listen up. Listen to what I say, but also listen to what I do. Did you see all the verbs as we read through those verses? He said, I brought you up and I brought you out. I rescued you. I delivered you. I drove out your enemies from among you. I warned you about worshiping false gods, but you would not listen. Man, do you ever reflect on how much he's done already for you? Whenever I reflect on all that God has already done for me in Christ, it always drives me back to the light. When I reflect on how many times he's rescued me, how many times he's delivered, how many times has he driven out my enemies, how many times has he allowed me to step into inheritances that I didn't deserve, that I didn't work for, that's grace. Eternity in Christ is not something we earned. It's something that he earned, that he's willing to give to us as a result of us confessing that Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. I just want to encourage you today, when God is speaking to you, listen up. Whenever you find yourself in dark places, whenever you're hiding in these caves and in these cracks and in these, in these places that are cut off in isolation, can you reflect on what he has done? Listen to what he has done for you in your life today. Judges chapter 6, we'll go on to verse 11. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah. Not Oprah, Ophrah, but this is her name. Anyway, and that belonged to Joash, the Abiezrite, where his son Gideon, mm, Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press. Now that's going to become important. We're going to go Bible nerd on that in just a little bit. But there's a place for threshing wheat. It's called the threshing floor, and it's a big open area. A wine press was usually in their time could be like a, a big hole in the ground because it had to catch the wine. And so he's doing one activity that's meant for another activity. We'll get to it in just a moment. Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. The Midianites are the enemy. So he's doing one activity in the wrong place. He's doing the right activity of trying to produce in the wrong place because his fear of the enemy. You'll see where this is going in just a little bit. Is anybody following on? Or, yeah, you'll see it in just a second. So when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. This guy that's hiding in a hole, God is saying, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. I don't know if anybody has felt like they've been hiding in a hole. I don't know if anyone that's watching online has felt like you have been hiding in a hole. But then God shows up and says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Okay. Verse 13, an unusual reaction. Gideon says, pardon me, my Lord. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? You never felt like that, right? 
If the Lord is with me, then why is this happening to me? Sometimes when we go through loss, especially unexpected loss, we can, we can ask this question. I love that the Bible doesn't hide it. But you can ask that question. God, where are you? If you're with me, I don't see it. I look around me and I don't see it. I don't feel it. Very human, I would suppose. Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about? When they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of our enemy. Man, I don't, I don't know if you've ever felt abandoned. I, if I'm talking to someone in here today, please hear me. That is, that is a lie straight from the gates of hell. That God has abandoned you? No. No. He didn't send his son to die on a cross for all the world, for every sinner, then to abandon you? If God was going to abandon you, he would abandon you based upon your sin. And all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Ergo, we would all be abandoned. And we would be abandoned justly so, but God's character is to love. God's character is to forgive. God's character is to give grace even when you don't deserve it. So if you're feeling abandoned in here today, I, I assure you, on God's word, that is not the case. The Lord turned to him and said, go in strength. Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of the Midian's hands. Am I not sending you? Oh, I, see, I get excited and I want to preach that, but it's not time yet, all right? So just, oh, just wait. Pardon me, my Lord. He says it again. He calls him mighty warrior. He's like, uh, excuse me. I'm hiding in a hole, threshing wheat in a wine press. And then he says, go in strength. And he says, pardon me, but how can I save Israel? God is calling you to do some things today and you're saying, but how? Oh, I'm glad that you're asking the right question. My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am least in my family. He's got his resume of restrictions of what God can do in his life. Has anybody been making your list? Have you ever like had that? Well, God, I don't have this. And God, I don't have that. And God, I don't have this. And God, I don't have that. And I wasn't raised in church. And I don't know the Bible so well. And, and I've done this sin. And I've been divorced. And I've done... And, I, and God, here's my resume of the reasons. I can't serve. No, I can't do... No. No. I reject that. Verse 16, the Lord answered, I will be with you and you will strike down. Oh, this sounds Old Testament. It is. I will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Oh, man. Two more points. Fear will try to keep you where sin has shifted you. Fear will try to keep you where sin has shifted you. You see, he was conditioned. I don't know if you remember Pavlov's dog, it's a classic conditioning experiment that was done a long time ago that, that you learn by a, a stimulus to have a certain reaction. And that reaction at first is a choice that you make. But then over time, when you make that noise long enough, the, the involuntary reaction occurs so that if you ring the bell 
and you give them a piece of food, eventually you ring the bell and they start salivating in anticipation of the food. So now you've become conditioned that when you hear the sound, you experience a certain feeling. Your body acclimates to the sound. And so many of us have been conditioned. Gideon was conditioned. He said to himself, I have to go down in this hole to thresh wheat because my fear of my enemy my enemy is making me do things differently, inefficiently than I would ever do them before. Fear will make you do crazy things. And the church said, have you ever done things out of fear? Have you ever had any fear in the last several months? I got to tell you, I've had some fear. I've had some, like, oh Lord, we can't have church. What are we going to do? Oh Lord, like what's going to happen? Oh, there was a change I wasn't expecting. Fear can cause us to react. And here he is down in this hole because he's afraid. If you read carefully the, that the Midianites, every time they would grow something, it's like that bully looking for your lunch money. It's like they would grow a crop and the, and the Midianites would come in and like snatch it and say, thank you for growing that for me. And so he's trying to hide from them because he's grown conditioned that anything that he raises up, the enemy's just going to take from him. So now fear is causing him to stay where he's at versus seek the freedom that God is trying to give. He's thinking more about survival than he is about being set free. And that's what sin will do to us. We start trying to figure out how to survive inside of sin, inside of darkness, rather than saying, I'm going to cry out to God. God's going to hear me, and then God's going to deliver me. You don't want to stay stuck in sin. You don't want to make excuses while you're staying in sin. You don't want to live in fear of the enemy's going to take it from you every day. That's not what God intended for you. And I want to end with this. Your calling is greater than your conditioning. Your calling is greater than your conditioning. He was conditioned to believe he was weak. And God addresses him. He says, oh, mighty warrior. You see, God saw something in Gideon that he did not see in himself. Now, Gideon had never been a mighty warrior, but God saw a mighty warrior. Is it possible that you've been conditioned because of your heritage, because of your past, because of bad experiences, because enemies that have overpowered you, because of shrewd people that outsmarted you, people that have taken things from you, that you've grown accustomed to the point that you believe every day that someone somewhere is going to take it from you, and I just got to try to hold on and survive. And now God is saying to you this morning, no, I see something in you that you don't see in yourself that I can do something with your life that you never dreamed that I could do with you. He said, go in the strength that you have, not the strength I'm going to give. He said, I already put it in you. Isn't that amazing this morning that God, when he gave you Christ and when he gave you the spirit of God living inside of you, that he empowered you, that there's strength inside of you, you don't even know exists. And that sometimes as you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you're going to find out something, that God puts something in there. And he's bringing it to the surface. Look at that last phrase. He said, I will be with you and you will. Can you just let that be your theme? Can you put that on the windshield, on the bathroom mirror this week? Can you pray that over your spouse, over your kids? Can you pray that for our church this week? I will be with you and you will. That's all you need. If you're wondering how to do it, how do I get back in the light? 
How do I get back right with God? How do I conquer enemies that seem impossible to defeat? If God says, I'll be with you, then who can be against you? Let's pray. Father, we ask in the name of Jesus that you would be with us today. That the light would shine in our darkness. God, we cry out for forgiveness where we've sinned. God, we ask for your grace again. God, I know there's people watching online and sitting in this room that because of their guilt, they've sat down in it. They settled into that season of sin and they, and they believe that they just deserve it, perhaps, God. I pray that you would speak this word of truth so loud through your spirit that that we all deserve it. We all deserve sin. We all deserve the consequences of our sin, but we have a God that is greater than our sin. We have grace that is greater than our sin. We have mercy that is greater than our sin. We have a created purpose that knew about our sin before we even committed it and is able to course correct. That's how awesome and incredible our God is. So this morning, I pray, God, as we're sitting in this moment, that our hearts would cry out to you, that we would cry out in worship and that we would breathe in your spirit and that we would breathe it back to you, God, in praise, that we would worship you, God, with all our hearts, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, for you alone are worthy, God. You have rescued, you have delivered, you have driven out enemies, you've given us a land that we didn't work for. Your name is already written in heaven. Your reservation is already made in Christ. When we think about all that he has done, can we not lay down the gods of this world and lift up the one true God? Church, would you put your hands together and join us in worship?